and we are live. So welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best tech leaders uh, in the world to share their scaling up lessons as they scale from 1 million ARR to 100 million uh, ARR. Today, I have the pleasure to have a very special guest. Uh, this guest has been representing Google and Dropbox before um, starting up his own company. And it's a pleasure to, to welcome Jiten uh, Vaidya, the CEO and co-founder at PlanetScale. Uh, Jiten, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me here. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here and talking to you. Awesome. So uh, we can't wait to to let you know to to um, to know more about uh, about yourself and how did you win starting up uh, PlanetScale. Uh, there are some curiosities about your um, story that I saw on LinkedIn that I found very, very curious. At a certain moment of your career, you wanted to come back to be an individual contributor. Uh, and then uh, later, you decided again to, um, to start up a company and not only be a manager, but also be a leader and be in one of the most lonely seats in the world, which is of, of an entrepreneur. So can you, can we, can you just uh, walk us through uh, your career and your story until now? Absolutely. So uh, most of my career, I have been a backend infrastructure engineer and manager. Um, but uh, after my, and uh, Again, most of my career, I have sort of gone back and forth between being a manager and being an individual contributor because I like I, I have always liked to actually build things with my hands. And uh, uh, so staying away from that role too long gets me antsy and gets me back to being an individual contributor. And um, so when I joined Google in 2005, I was an individual contributor working on the search quality team. And when YouTube was acquired by Google in early 2007, I was one of the first engineers to transfer from Google to YouTube. In fact, I was sort of pulled into YouTube by my now co-founder, Sugu, who joined uh, Google through the YouTube acquisition. And then I continued to work at YouTube and eventually started leading the DBA and SRE teams uh, at YouTube. YouTube was scaling really uh, fast at that time. Vites was, which is the open source project on which our company is uh, founded, was started by, again, my co-founder and another founding in engineer at YouTube. His name is Mike Solomon. Uh, and I was managing these two groups. In 2012, I again wanted to go back to... <laughs> and uh, so I joined a small company called endorse.com. And uh, not only did I uh, start working as an individual contributor, but that was the first time that I worked on an Android app. I think that's probably the first time that I wrote uh, a reasonably useful UI. <laughs> Otherwise, all my UI has been what people call uh, you know, rock on like it's 1995. <laughs> <Got> it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and from that, that got acquired by Dropbox. I was at Dropbox for, for a few years, went to Washington DC and worked for the United States Digital Service, which is doing really good work. And uh, in the meantime, Sugu and I had been talking about uh, starting a company on Vitesse. And we figured that it, it made sense now that Vitesse has had acquired a, a reasonable amount of community across it. And there was a need for a commercial entity 
to sort of stand behind it and make sure that it's easy for companies to use Vitesse. So I came back and started the company with Subo in early 2018. Got it. And that, that sounds awesome. So you know uh, how to scale companies uh, since the scratch or from the scratch and also when they are really almost multi-billion dollar companies uh, as Google and, and, and Dropbox. Uh, by the way, Dropbox, I think that they have already, already passed also the 1 billion mark. Uh, of course, Google uh, much more at 100B or almost 130B, something like that. But now a little bit confused about what is what are the actual revenues of Dropbox, but I'm sure it is over 1B, um, I believe. <laughs> Awesome. And um, tell us a little bit more about uh, the stage um, of um, Planet Scale. So, in terms of headcount, uh, any kind of funding rounds, uh, what is the vision for the future? So, yeah. Right. So we are we are twenty five people at the moment. We are located in downtown Mountain View. Uh, most of our, I think, uh, a large percentage of our company is engineers at the moment and we are embarking on uh, hiring to beef up our go-to-market functions. We are looking for heads of product marketing, heads of uh, uh, sales and product management, uh, all, all of those functions. Um, and uh, we raised $22 million from Anderson Horowitz about uh, a few months ago in, in May of uh, this year. And uh, we have ra we raised $3 million from Signal Fire about a year ago. So we have $25 million in total funding. And uh, uh, we are looking to grow to about 50 um, in about a year's time. And we just moved into a, new, a new, new, new office space on Castro Street on Mountain View. So if ever you are in Mountain View, drop by. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, looking forward to it and, and congratulations for also having uh, an amazing part partner backing you so it's it's cute always to be well surrounded uh, when starting up and, and scaling up a company so congratulations for the the milestone so far um, and in terms of what is your big area audacious goal so what keeps you awake uh, when you you come to planet scale so both me and my co-founder are engineers by background. Um, and so what's really, really important for us uh, and all the all the initial revenue that we have acquired, all the initial, we have about 20 customers now. Um, it's it's all through me and Sugu going and talking to folks and, uh, and, and selling the product. I and mean, Vitesse is a really battle tested um, solution that really works at many companies at scale. So because of that, we have been able to sell it uh, to a certain extent. But if we are really going to scale as a company, we need to do a much better job of taking the product to market. And for that, we need uh, leaders in those areas. And so what keeps me awake is basically uh, building out those functions and making sure that we have those executives in, in, in place so that we can scale. Um, so you, you said 1 million to 100 million journey. We are very much close to the 1 million side of things rather than 100 million side of things. And we need to uh, put the leadership in place so that we can scale. 
That's that's a very good point. And let me, for the ones who have been following in the last 79 episodes uh, of the podcast, you are already aware of the 10 Rockefeller habits for the ones who are tuning in for the first time. Uh, the 10 Rockefeller habits are a set of very simple habits that were kind of adopted or um, summarized by John Rockefeller, one of the most successful uh, businessmen in, in the history of, of, of the United States. And usually I try to apply three uh, of those habits in, in our conversations uh, at the podcast. So, and the first one, and I always start there because the first one is, is really the... I would say the foundation of a successful company, uh, which is the executive team is healthy and aligned. And I'm just picking this habit because Jitan just said that now it's the time to build the leadership team. And I think this is one of the most important transitions, especially early on, which is the case, which is moving from a founding team to a leadership team, from an entrepreneur, from a startup CEO to a to a scale-up CEO. And again, those routines, those habits are really, really difficult, much easier said than, than done. So what what for you? So you have um, a co-founder, um, Sugu, if I, so which plays the technical role uh, in this startup now? And you are playing the, the CEO role, correct? Correct. So he is the CTO and he is also the, uh, the community leader and the chief developer behind Vitesse. So he has, he has his hands on Vitesse code and uh, he is the CTO of the company. Got it. So and you were saying now, it's really about the go-to-market positions that you want to fill in in, in the leadership team. Uh, we like to talk about the leadership team 1.0, uh, 2.0, 3.0. So the 1.0 will be to have the go-to-market positions in place and to let you get out of the operations and and uh, and the daily basis on on those uh, functions. So uh, this is always very difficult to bring the first one or two people out of the founding team. So how, how do you plan to first um, define what clearly do you want out of those roles and um, and what are the positions more concretely in the go-to-market functions that you are uh, hiring at, at this stage to Correct. be part of your leadership team? So we are really fortunate to have, uh, you know, the, the, the help from Anderson Horowitz and specifically Peter Levine, who is on our board. And uh, what this is, this is the, this, so this is how we are going to go about hiring this executive team based on his advice, which is that what we need to first understand is to basically calibrate to ourselves the kind of leaders that we want to bring in. And the best way to do that would be to talk to companies who are sort of in, uh, in our, you know, who are similar to us in the sense that who are based on open source, who deal with data and who do software as a service, right? So companies like uh, Databricks, uh, uh, Datastacks, uh, MongoDB, and talk to folks there who, who actually uh, were at those companies when those companies were one to five million ARR and were part of scaling them and talk, talk to uh, folks like that and ask them what, you know, what kind of people uh, they recommend we, we hire or just talk to them to get a sense of what is needed at a company at that stage 
to be successful. And that will lead us to uh, a calibration in our own minds about what kind of a VP of product marketing and what kind of a VP of sales, because those are the two positions that we plan to hire in the beginning. So come up with written descriptions of what that looks like within a month and then go out and engage with search firms and uh, go ahead and recruit those, those positions. So uh, we, are, we are very lucky to have good advice from uh, A16Z and Peter. Um, and that's what we plan to do. Absolutely. So very difficult to ask more questions or to jump in uh, with uh, any other ideas. Uh, again, being so very so, so well surrounded. And uh, let's move to the Rockefeller habit number two. And especially at this startup stage, it's it's really uh, as you said about having those right people on 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 the right seats because there is a lot of things that will still need to pivot. Uh, um, at at this stage of the of the business, but at the same time, the the big picture, the BAG, and what is the next milestone needs to be uh, super clear. And uh, and there are so many paths that we can follow that we need to start saying no. And that's when this Rockefeller habit number two comes in, uh, which is everyone is aligned with the number one thing that needs to be accomplished at this quarter to move the company forward. Um, right. So what is your next campus to, to the Everest? So a couple of things. I mean, the one thing that is kind of, uh, we always keep track of is uh, during the process of raising our series A, we made projections and plans about where we wanted the revenue to be at various points in time. Like for example, what is our revenue goal for the end of the year, right? So we are always cognizant of that number uh, that's something that we talk about internally. That's something that we are driving towards. And that's sort of is known by everybody. But to be able to do that, we also have to hit the, the internal product and engineering milestones uh, uh, that we have set up for ourselves. And what we are working on right now is that is rolling out our database as a service on AWS and GCP. And it's production ready. We are doing chaos testing. We are making sure that the alerts work correctly. We are making sure that second and third order problems are being solved correctly because you know we are going to accept people's data and be responsible for their data. So we need to make sure that our service is really rock solid. And that's what we are doing with the view of releasing it to everybody mid-November. Um, so we are not 100% sure whether we will do a soft launch or, a, or, or, or do publicity around it at, at that time, but that's what we are driving towards. Again, a goal that everybody knows about, the date is basically it, it aligns with the KubeCon in San Diego. We have an internal board where we keep on counting back the number of weeks to that date. Um, so that's, awesome. a, that's a good way to, we are small enough at the moment to have something like that and be a that be the reminder to everybody that that's the goal that we are driving towards. Got it. I'm sure that when we talk in, in 12 months, uh, you will be already 50 plus uh, and, and those meeting rhythms that assure the execution of that bigger milestones uh, would be different. Uh, but what, what are your, your meeting rhythms today in order to keep the company moving forward and everyone in the same page? Right. So we started out by having a company-wide all hands every week, where we again sort of talked about the wins, 
you know highlights lowlights uh, and um, talked about what was achieved uh, in the last week uh, any news and so on but i think now what we have decided to do is uh, we have a company meeting which is more informational rather than status oriented and each department has their own all hands so we have an engineering all hand we have uh, i i have a staff meeting of my own that that i have once every week and then um, because I, I, I think we also have a marketing all hands um, so that's that's the company wide meeting cadence and uh, when uh, i used to manage i also have sort of skip level uh, meetings with uh, everybody in the company at month month and a half uh, interval and, and now the that the company is growing it's the the cadence is going you know more more around two months or thereabouts but i like to do that i like to talk to folks and get a view of how things look from their point of view especially given that we have about five people who are remote got it got it and at this stage of the company uh, and being part of google do you have company okrs uh, and also team okrs or still only company okrs we just started team level okr process about two weeks ago uh, well so we are, yeah <laughs> we are in the process of putting them together and yeah we want to be pretty rigorous about evaluating them at the end of the quarter and uh, at the same time come up with the uh, okrs for the next quarter so i i, I have done that I think OKRs are really useful, and uh, that was one of the tools that I used when I used to manage at Google. Um, and I want to make sure that that's sort of a part of the culture of our company. Got it. And this is uh, very, very, very useful. Uh, there is something that I've been thinking and kind of mixing now the, the free habits that we already started uh, discussing which is uh, and introducing one of the topics that we also want to cover um, which is cash and, and fundraising as, as critical in in this stage of the company or in all stages even when when scaling up is in order to assure that we have the right investors in place the ones who can really partner with us and help us to move to the next stage we need to to get to know them much earlier uh, than when it's the time to invest and I like to, to think about the same analogy. Again, this is something that I just uh, thought about in terms of analogy in, this week uh, of kind of starting relationships with your VPs um, in, for, for the next stage of growth already 12 or 18 months before. So when you are in the moment of setting up the leadership team 3.0, you already know them, they already know you, you already have a plan and they will be joining something that you all um, believe. Uh, so are you already working on, on the next uh, leadership team um, version in the next 18 months or this is something that is a little bit far away. I think that's something that's a little bit too far away. I, I don't, <laughs> don't have that much foresight. <laughs> but on. as fundraising is concerned, I I pretty much take um, I I take a lot of meetings. I talk to uh, I talk to folks, even though it, they may or may not be a good fit. 
it's good to um, get to know people and it's good to uh, describe to them what we are doing because you know usually people in the investment community are helpful people and if they think that there is something that they can help with that usually it's it's pretty useful and and vice versa you you can also put them in touch with uh, other folks and so on so in general i think uh, it's important to uh, increase the awareness about the company and the team and so on in the investment community so i i always do that um, not with any specific goal in mind but just as a general part of the activities that i that i do got it so just to kind of touch base where we are in the conversation for uh, our audience uh, so we always go through four main decisions people strategy execution and cash so if we have the right people on the right seats doing the right things or focus on the right priorities and executing them at a fast pace uh, now it's all about having the oxygen to to get to the next um, stage of growth so cash is is critical um, of course, if we have the team, the strategy and, and the execution in, in place. So what were the lessons of um, your fundraising process and of raising Series A? Yeah, so um, I, I, I will not, so the answer that I give applies both to raising Series C and Series A. This was the first time nice. that Hugo and I went out and uh, raised, uh, raised money and uh, it, it was a it was a steep learning curve for us. It, the The whole landscape of uh, venture capital and what people's motivations are and how the deals are structured and even how you know the cadence of the meetings, what each meeting is about, and what you're supposed to get done in a specific meeting is something that we needed to learn and we needed to learn by doing. Right. I mean, you, you can always read on the web, you, you get some idea, you talk to friends who have done it before, but unless you have done it yourself, it, it's, it, it doesn't really, you know, at least for me, that's the only way to really learn something. Um, and uh, so that took a while. Um, uh, but uh, what was interesting is that as you keep on doing it, your message becomes clearer. It also helps you refine in your head the kind of company that you would want to build or the kind of things that you want to do to take make an idea into a company, right? Um, because again, when you start, your 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 thoughts and ideas are pretty theoretical. It's when you explain it, when you address people's questions, when you address issues that you hadn't thought about. You know, it forces you to think about it. So I think what. Definitely for Series Seed, by the time we uh, got a, a term sheet, um, our pitch, I mean, it, we were getting positive responses from multiple people around the time we got the term sheet. And that was mainly, because, I, I think it had to do with the our evolution, thinking in our evolution and our ability to answer questions and the deck had gotten polished and so on. And also we had learned about sort of this meta- um, environment, which is the venture capital uh, environment in Silicon Valley, right? Um, so the the next fundraise was easier in that sense because we did not have to learn this environment. Um, and also it was easier in another sense because we now had some track record that we could point to. And we had uh, a reasonable number of logos. We had a reasonable number of uh, amount of revenue and um, 
our idea had become more polished the, the and and the, and the product was built to a place where we had started taking beta accounts we were getting uh, we were getting feedback so we had a lot more to show um and so uh, uh i mean I would not say that it was uh, less stressful because <laughs> fundraising is always stressful in the sense that yeah, um, but but it was uh, we, we were not starting from scratch. Well done, and uh, and of course uh, it's still early days on on your Series A, but uh, Series B uh, will also uh, in principle be much more different and and much more based in unit economics and and less about selling the the vision or showing that the, the opportunity is really huge, that the market is there and that you are getting traction and that's the unit economics uh, uh, work. So as you said, it's challenge after challenge, maybe especially on, on American-based companies, uh, Series C would be about international expansion uh, or, or another segment, another challenge to, to, to be able to crack in such a, a short period of time. Uh, amazing. And um, in terms of, uh, so we come to, uh, to, the, to the end of the show and one of my favorite uh, questions and moments of the show as always. So if you would have the opportunity to meet yourself um, and one year and eight months ago, when you started up uh, Planet Scale with your co-founder, uh, what should you tell yourself? What advice would you give to yourself? <laughs> I think um, one advice that I would give is basically uh, to think, to be a lot more proactive about augmenting the team and get people on the team who have skills and experience and domain knowledge uh, that is complementary to yours. Um, you know, we, in some sense, uh, did what we knew and what we were good at, which was building out engineering teams and building product, right? I mean, this is something that was in the wheelhouse for both of us, and that's what we ended up doing. Uh, I should have spent a lot more time, a lot sooner trying to recruit and bring along really strong leadership, which had skills which were complementary to ours. So I think that's what I would tell myself from a year ago. <laughs> that's a very great point. And again, a, a strong connection with Rockefeller Abitz, uh, number one. Jason, it was really a pleasure to host you on the show. So, so much value and, and such an incredible career so far and so much to be accomplished in the future. So you are always invited to come back. Thanks so much for joining. Thank you very much. And uh, I enjoyed it. Thanks again. So,